Good morning. My name's Nick. I'm the associate minister here at Knox, and it is so good to be gathered with you in person and online to worship God together. This morning, I will be sharing in 15 to 20 minutes what Francis was able to share in three minutes in the kids' moment. So bear with me, and hopefully, as we unpack this text together, you'll find that there's a, a depth to the richness of the story. Today is the third Sunday of Advent when we name our longing for the coming of joy among us. Joy, as we've often reflected and as you've heard a couple of times already this morning, is apart from gladness and happiness, though closely related. Happiness and gladness are emotions, whereas joy is really a state of being. It is a way of living far more than simply something which is felt. Joy, in fact, is the result of a choice. This morning's scripture reading is a source of joy for many of us. For many of us, we have heard the Christmas story, read this beginning of good news to Mary, and we have chosen to rejoice in this, to allow this to comfort us. We have placed our hope in the Son of God and sought to allow all suffering which we now know to be reframed from the perspective of a God who would come to us to be with us, a God who comes to us even now, so that when we are filled with sorrow, grief, even despair, as we sometimes will be, when these are the very emotions of our hearts, we can still shout to God with a song of joy, because we know that God is king over the nations, that he has chosen a heritage for us, and that we are the people who God loves. This text is more than just a source of joy to us, however. It's also a text where joy is repeatedly found within it, repeatedly offered to the women who receive this news of Jesus and of joy offered to those, even the unborn, who encounter the unborn Christ by his mother's presence. I want to look at the joy which is seen in these few verses together and, un and unpack them, unpack the joy that is contained within them and what the joy that we see there means for us and the joy that we have to share with the world. Stories of pregnancy are not always joyful ones. As many of us will know, there is often a lot of grief involved. Grief in trying to have a child, but not finding that desire fulfilled. Grief in the loss of an unborn child or the loss of an infant. Grief sometimes in the conception of an unexpected child. And more than grief, there is so often shame as well. The Africa Bible Commentary points out that childlessness would often mean shame in the ancient world as it still does in many places today. A shame that Elizabeth felt. And pregnancy removed that disgrace from her. And for an unmarried woman, the opposite would be true. Shame in pregnancy and honor in childlessness. Yet here we have a story of two women who are in situations where they may know shame and where God speaks wholeness into their lives. Elizabeth receives a child. Now entering her third trimester, she is going to have a baby. A woman who was probably seen as unsuccessful by the metrics of her culture, who herself deeply desired a child but had accepted that that probably would not be happening. 
was now restored from shame to honor, from grief to joy. And so we come to this announcement to Mary, in quite the opposite situation to Elizabeth, given the unexpected news of a child before she's even known a man, the text says. Luke is insistent in his telling that Mary is not just a young woman, but she is in fact a virgin. Now, Mary's or the gospel writer's insistence of her virginity would matter very little culturally. She was pregnant and she was unwed. She would know shame. Yet she is favored by God and God is with her. How marvelous a first statement of the angel. She is favored. Some translations would say she is graced by God. And it's not because she possessed some special piety or holiness. This was highlighted earlier of Elizabeth and Zechariah, that they were especially God-fearing people. But not so for Mary. It seems that she is favored simply because God chose her. And isn't that the heart of the gospel itself, that God would choose us not because of what we have done, but because God is great in his grace towards us. So greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This is a statement of the angel, not a wish. Sometimes in the church we say things like, the Lord be with you. And this is really a wish. We're saying, may the Lord be with you. But that's not what the angel has said to Mary. The Lord is with her. She is graced by the presence of God. Despite such apparently good news, Mary is greatly troubled. Perhaps she's troubled because for a woman to be spoken to by an angel was unheard of. She had no frame of reference for an encounter like this. Perhaps she was afraid because so often that is the human response to anything other than what we know already to fear. She is troubled. And soon she is urged by this angel Gabriel, as so many others in this Christmas story will be urged, to not be afraid. She has no need to be afraid. Just as the first letter of John tells us that perfect love casts out all fear, so God's grace drives away all fear of judgment as well. Mary has received the grace of God she need not fear his messenger. Then comes the news to Mary, which will eventually be lauded as good news of great joy to all people, that she will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and his kingdom will never end. Wow, that's big news for anyone to hear. And it's a cause for joy, especially if that's what you've been waiting for. Waiting for the king who would sit on David's throne. Waiting for the kingdom to return to Israel. Waiting and waiting and waiting. And then suddenly, the thing that you and everybody you've ever known have always been waiting for is announced. And it's announced to you. It's happening. This is the kind of news that doesn't just make you happy for a moment. That doesn't just make you glad when you think of it. This is the kind of news that changes you forever. 
It's the kind of news that actually might bring us into all joy. Mary has a pretty logical question that she has to ask. But she is assured that no word of God will ever fail. Really, she is told the how is far less important than the what. The what is that the Holy One will be born. And the miracle, well, that's a sign of the truth of what is to come. Then her response is a response of trust and a response of joy. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary chooses joy. When she could have lingered in fear, fear of shame, fear of Joseph or her family, fear of an angel or fear for her own mental health, she chooses to trust in God. When she could have remained troubled, troubled about what this would mean for her, troubled about what this could possibly look like, how it could be, she chooses to desire the very thing that she's heard. She chooses to respond with joy. Because in the words of the angel, in the very grace of God, she has seen the fulfillment of the longing of her heart. And she steps in toward the promise rather than turning away. So often, I think that we don't live like the word which God has given to us is unable to fail. Rather, I think that we live as if the word that we've heard is too good to be true. We live skeptically. We live with troubled hearts, unable to accept that which we are being offered. We live cautiously or fearfully. Not many of us choose to live joyfully. We do not choose to live joyfully because we hear the truth and we do not trust it. We hear good news and we remember the bad news. We hear the invitation not to fear and we figure since you mentioned fear, we should be more afraid, not less. Mary is an example of us to choose faith when we hear the truth of the gospel, to receive good news with joy, to step into the story that God is telling rather than to step back and worry or despair. John the monk, who is thought to be the 7th century theologian, St. John of Damascus, he wrote a hymn for his church, and it's not sung as often these days, but he's describing this event, the Annunciation, and he writes this, Wonder, God is come among humanity. He who cannot be contained is contained in a womb. The timeless enters time. And great mystery, his conception is without seed, his emptying past telling. So great is this mystery. For God empties himself, takes flesh, and is fashioned as a creature. When the angel tells the pure virgin of her conception, Rejoice, you who are full of grace. The Lord who has great mercy is with you. Can we hear this announcement once more today and allow ourselves to respond to it with joy? Can we hear maybe these same words put into a frame of reference for us, the words of the Nicene Creed, 
where we profess for us and for our salvation, God came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. For you and for your salvation, God came among humanity. He who could not be contained was contained in a womb. The timeless entered time. A great mystery for you, for me, for us and for our salvation. Once again, this isn't the kind of good news that should make you happy for a moment or glad when you think of it. Rather, it's the kind of news that can change you, that can draw you into the fullness of joy. If you would only choose to respond as Mary responded to this same news, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Friends, for your salvation, God came to you. For your salvation, God is with you even now. For the salvation of the world, the Spirit works through the church that all things might be made new. Good news of great joy for all people still today. And so I'm going to challenge us to say that response of Mary together to let her response to good news become our response, your response to good news. And so let's say it together. I am the Lord's servant. May his word to me be fulfilled. Amen. Joy, real, true joy, it needs to be shared. Mary isn't waiting until after her first trimester to share this news with Elizabeth. Right then, she immediately gets ready and hurries to a town in the hill country of Judea to see her cousin Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaps, and Elizabeth announces, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. There is so much goodness in this little passage of Mary's visit to her cousin Elizabeth. And I cut it off before Mary's song, the Magnificat, which is a sermon in itself. Really, I would say there's so much joy here. The baby that Elizabeth carries, who will be called John the Baptist, announces the presence of Christ, which will be his entire ministry. He is doing the work that God gave to him, even from the womb. Of course, infants moving in their mother's womb are not at all uncommon. And so we turn to his mother to interpret this movement. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth understands it to be a movement of great joy because of the presence of Mary, who is blessed by God, and because of the presence of her child that she will bear, who will also be called blessed. What especially drew my attention to this passage was the effect that Mary's presence has on Elizabeth and her child. As soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, As soon as I heard the sound of it, 
I didn't even process it. I heard the sound, and the baby of my womb leapt for joy. It's immediate. Mary is present, and there is joy in this home. Mary, who is sometimes called the God-bearer, as she carried the incarnate Christ into the world, bears God with her as she visits her cousin. And she bears with her as well the presence of God's grace, God's very self in Christ, now in this home. This is an occasion for the kind of joy that has you jump and exclaim all kinds of things in a loud voice. Mary, I believe, is in many ways a prefiguration of the church. She was the first to bear Christ to the world, but now we follow her, no longer physically, but spiritually, having been called to be his body and given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We now carry Christ with us to a world that God remains present to. She who all nations will call blessed was mother to the one who calls blessed the poor, the mourning, the meek, the hungry for justice, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and the persecuted. In short, she who is blessed by God gives birth to a God-made flesh who now calls us blessed as well. In so many ways, Mary goes before us and shows us how to be faithful servants of the Lord. And so if that's true, if that's true in any way that Mary is a prefiguration of the church, and if it's true that when Mary visits Elizabeth, there is joy that makes an unborn child leap and excitement fill the air, I think we have to ask the question, When was the last time that somebody jumped for joy when they saw you, let alone when they just heard the sound of your greeting? Seriously, having chosen to live in joy herself, Mary brings joy by the presence of Christ to other people. That is her story. And that should be our story too. That should be how the church is known. When people see us, when people hear us, there's joy. Because Jesus brings people joy. His desire was that his joy might be in us and our joy might be complete. Those who bear Jesus to others bear joy with them as well. It's part of the deal. It's as simple as that. Mary brought joy to Elizabeth, not because of who she was. I'm sure they were great friends as cousins, but it's not because of who Mary was. It's because of who Jesus is. So too, when we bring joy to others, it's not because of how great we are. I don't think I've ever brought joy to another person in myself, really. I have a lot of problems. But Christ in me can do this. And Christ in us can do this. And so when we bear Christ to others, his joy can be revealed in our lives. And his joy can begin to take root in the lives of those who we come near to. But this requires that we actually believe the good news which is still shared with us today. That we turn from fear of God's truth toward an acceptance of his grace toward us. 
and that we humbly accept that we have been given the very presence of Christ to know and to share. Not that we have earned this right, but that in God's great mercy, he has offered it to us. When we do these things, we are choosing to live in the joy of God's word. And when we find joy in Christ, I trust and pray that others will receive joy as well, even as Mary brought joy to the household of Elizabeth. Indeed, in our lives and by our prayers, may God's kingdom come. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, your grace is marvelous. Marvelous in the life of Mary. Marvelous in the continuing life of this world. And even as Mary heard good news and was troubled and was afraid, but chose in the end the response of joy, that she was your servant and that she desired your word to her to be fulfilled. So we long for the presence of joy in our lives, that we would be able to turn aside from fear and trouble, that we would be able to receive your word with trust and faith, that we would receive it with joy and desire it to be true in our lives, in our family's life, in the life of our church. And that this would not be selfishly, but that this would be true for the sake of our neighborhoods and workplaces, for the sake of this city that you called us to love, and for the sake of the whole world. We pray this all for the sake of your coming kingdom. Amen. We believe that God speaks through his word. And so we want to give you time to listen when I'm not talking. And so we have a few reflection questions to inspire some of that listening. Um, maybe if you're at home, you might write these down and journal them, talk with those who are watching with you. And if you're in the sanctuary, it's a time of quiet reflection and prayer that maybe will inspire some conversations on the lawn after the service. So the first question is, what truth of God do you find most challenging to accept with joy? And then secondly, how might you choose to bear Jesus to more people in your life? And finally, an invitation to pray for the capacity to choose joy when situations are difficult or when fear threatens to overwhelm. We'll give you a, a minute or so to reflect on these things. <laughs> 